It's the best and the worst of 2021 on Amigos, episode 332. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to look back on a year. What a year it was. Oh, yeah. It's been a heck of a year, bro. <laughs> 2021. Yeah. You know, some people say it's a year that will live in infamy. Well, what would you say it was better or worse than 2020? Oh, it was definitely better. Here's the thing. 2021, if you were going to choose one thing that uh, that brought you the most joy from 2021, what would it be? Hmm. Well, let's see. You know, I've, you ready for the baloney answer? But yeah. I, I'm just going to say it. My son has gotten taller. His voice got deeper. He's becoming a man mm-hmm. right before my eyes. It fills me with much delight because this is a child who was so small when he was born that the doctors were afraid we have to give him, put him on steroids, mm-hmm. you know, to, to bulk him up and to get him to be taller because he was going to be so small. He was a preemie. And he has uh, blossomed this year to into a uh, uh, young man. Yeah. And it's brought me a great deal of pleasure. Now, I do feel like we're robbing him from his uh, me, uh, his uh, childhood, his remaining days, because he can't do anything uh, because of what's going on. But that what you to do. It can't be helped. So I have taken quite a bit of pleasure in watching that as, as uh, generic an answer as that is. What about you? I got to be honest with you. It's sitting right here in the new and improved Amigo Studios Stop. East. That's uh, what it is? It is. This is, you know, all from like March through a couple weeks ago, we were doing this show remote. And when you said, man, we're going to start recording in the in the, in the the building again. Uh, it's me and Brent. You were talking about you and Brent. We hadn't even discussed us coming together again. I was dead set against the idea, if you can recall, because I was afraid of the sound issues. I was afraid of the sort of the production issues. And when I walked in, to the arcade, and I saw what we have before us now. I was blown away. I was blown away. The setup that you have created, that you've concocted, that you spent hours and hours Literally minutes. <laughs> this is, listen, we spent hours and hours just getting this one show set up. Yeah. So, I mean, comfortable chairs. Together again, the green screen is doing its job. Perfectly lit. We've got a brand new camera that was financed by this show. Show dollars paid for this this camera. So uh, this is this is this is what's made 2021 for me just coming together again. Well, that's nice. That's nice, boat. I as I will say, recording together is far better than not. Yeah. I've enjoyed the shows a lot more. Uh, we're we'll get the rest of it ironed out. Still the sound. We'll work on everything. But yeah, this is what we wanted to do when we first got the arcade built. But it was just well, it took a while to figure out exactly how to make it come to fruition. Well, this. People, if you could see what we've what we've got rigged up here, it's the most ludicrous <laughs> taping thing you've ever seen. But it does work for us, and it is somehow fitting up the phony baloney job we do on the show. So yes. it works out pretty well. Yes. So, Aaron, today we come together to talk about the best and the worst of 2021 in terms of the games that we played. You know, Aaron, we played 54 games this year on Amigos. Yeah. 
And I want to say I was probably around for 50 of them. I had to miss a couple weeks here and there for various occasions and trips and things. And yeah. Brent always does a good job. You were very cunning when you left, I might add. A couple I, times. I, wait, I wait for the hard games yeah. that I that I, I couldn't help but notice that would design a Soros home <laughs> in view. You were nowhere to be seen. If there's one thing we need to talk about before we dive into the best and the worst, it's this week's Amiga News. Amiga News. All right, Aaron, we kick things off this week with a game that's, you know, it's we're still in the holiday season, wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, there's another holiday coming. Yeah. Right. So um, we've got a special festive edition of a game called Bean versus the Animator. Now, do you, do you remember this game, Aaron? No. I love Mr. Bean. Is well, this has nothing to do with Mr. Bean, unfortunately. Uh, this is a game that is a... Um, it's sort of like Terminator 2. Do you remember Terminator 2, the arcade game? Yeah. There's I love some that there's game. some video on this if you want to run the uh the clip down there from Saberman. Uh this is a game that uh you basically uh you've got various enemies that scroll across the screen mm-hmm. quickly, and you've got a gun which is really controlled by your mouse pointer. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you, you yeah, you fire into the the enemies. Now, I believe that the first uh the first rendition of this game they might be sort of zombie robots, but not in the festive edition. In the festive edition, they're all about the old snowman, Aaron. Aaron, have you ever taken a snowman to task? I have. I have been known to beat up on a snowman now and mm-hmm. again. That's true. Yeah, they're they're they just they're creepy to me. Really? Yeah, I like them. Now, when you make a, I mean, do you make snowmen? No. Mm. I mean, when I was a little kid, I made one, but we don't get enough snow now to make one. That's true. You can make like a, an action figure. That's all you can do. You know, we don't get <laughs> enough snow to make a big old snowman with a big huge you know, body and stuff. Right, right. So if you can't get enough of the festive holiday spirit, you can uh, blast away at presents. Uh, Givers of Presents and Killer Snowmen on Bean versus the Animator. It's Snow Joke. Do you find it odd that this is a festive holiday game where it's snowing in this cemetery? (laughs) That struck you as odd? I mean, these are also robots. (laughs) It's it's all very strange. Yeah. So they've basically taken the, uh, the minimalist festive attack on this old game that's that's probably true now edvin in the chat does point out it does support the light gun so if you're one of those lucky few that have the amiga supported light gun you can go to town can't with this you thing. use like the master system light gun on this thing i think you probably can i've got one it's got the same pin out we should that yeah. would be cool do, do a, a light gun rundown yeah. so yeah bean versus the animator it's snow joke oh man take check it out yeah all right aaron coming up next we've got some new videos to talk about um, what do we got coming up next here? What company we... crunch? Oh yes. Yeah. So this is a uh, Kim Justice has a done. Uh, she's done a series of videos uh, about some significant Amiga developers, and she's she's combined them all into one mega video. So if you happen to miss any of her uh, reporting on the Bitmap Brothers, Team Seventeen, a couple of these other guys, you can check this out all in one video. Imagine, that's imagine, a great one, yeah. and you know, I watched the one on the Bitmap Brothers last night. Yeah, I've got to say, I do have slightly more respect now. I was hoping for the Bitmap Brothers, and I'll tell you why. It really doesn't have anything to do with their games. What I didn't realize, Aaron, is that the Bitmap Brothers were Renegade Publishing. They went. Their publishing arm was Renegade, and Renegade did all kinds of awesome games. They did all the sensible games. They had a special deal with them where they could do that. They did Rough and Tumble. Of course, they they did Gods. Gods was published under the Renegade label bitmap game. So, um, 
I enjoy this. Of course, Kim's videos, I'm one of the biggest Kim marks out there. I think she does just a great job. Her presentation is always spot on. So if you're looking for something to watch in the dark, cold winter hours, you could do worse than checking out this documentary on these uh, Amiga developers. I wonder if she's done anything on core. <coughs> because oh. I, I've i got something to say about them later in the show. Oh, okay. We'll save that. Okay. For, for later on but yeah i like her stuff too it's always solid gold money but i agree with you yeah that. yeah now moving down the line aaron we've got one more kim video we got back-to-back -back kim justice action this is a look at the best and worst amiga christmas cover discs mm, okay this might be because we didn't get the we would never have any idea on this we right no right right and she goes to and, and it's interesting because there are some games that appeared on you know special issues of christmas magazines uh, that had nothing to do with Christmas. Sometimes the link was, shall we say, tenuous. Yeah. Um, and uh, But she goes through, and I'll tell you something that's interesting. Remember the cannon fodder, sensible soccer uh, mashup where you're yeah. kicking around the bomb? Yeah. That game actually came out before cannon fodder. So that was the first time people really got to see the cannon fodder sprites and everything. Huh. That was a Christmas cover either. disc game. Oh, yeah. That's wacky. And of course, you've got your fire and ice uh, Christmas edition lemmings. we had to look at, Christmas yeah. lemmings and all that stuff. And it's an interesting look at also how these companies. Uh, you know, uh, basically, they, they would find companies that were recently defunct or uh, companies that were down on their luck. And they would say, hey, you want to you know, sell us this game to put on the cover disc, get you some extra bucks? So a, a really interesting look at the publishing side of things, as well as these game reviews of these Christmas that's games. That's neat. I, no, I, no, that's very interesting. I never had a, had a thought of how that worked. Yeah, yeah. All right, Aaron, coming down next in line, we have a new game coming out. This one is called Project Quest. Okay, and this is a really, I think it looks pretty good. This is a top-down, chaos engine, alien breed style game. Yeah. Um, but it moves a little bit slower, which is not a bad thing. Um, and uh, But I really like the colors. It's more fantasy-inspired than, you know, uh, Chaos Engine, which is that steampunk look. Yeah. Um, this is an upcoming game that is being developed... Uh, with, I believe, let's see, this is uh, by Electric Black, Black Sheep. Electric Black Sheep. And uh, it's using the Project Horizon engine. And this is a new uh, build of Level 2, which is a playable build. You can download it. Uh, what do you think about this, Aaron? It, it looks good. It looks okay. You know, if, if from what they've got here, it, it sort of looks kind of gauntlet-y mm -hmm. you know, in a way. I like all the detail, you know, in the uh, it's it's not like one of these games where you're just constantly going around areas that look like they're just tile swaps. You've got you've got candles, you've got bookshelves, you've got a, a castle, and it looks like there's some there's some, you're talking to NPCs, you're collecting items. So maybe sort of a combination adventure game and shooter. It looks very nice. Yeah. I, 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 I what, is there a release date in mind on this one? Did you read uh, this one, it, it, no current release date, but. Uh, it says that you can, of course, go to the source on our links and uh, and keep up to date with the project. And of course, just follow Indie Retro News. They're always on top of all yes, this stuff. Yes, indeed. Indeed. That looks good. Yeah. Good find there, but I hadn't heard about that one. Now, Aaron, I'm not sure if you had a chance to watch this or not, but I wanted to bring it up since it is a new video from the man himself, Mr. Doug. This is the Pie Mega Review. He's finally reviewed it, Aaron. Uh, have you had a chance to watch this from Doug yet? I'm trying to remember if I saw this. I don't think I did actually. What did you? What did he think? Well, I haven't watched it yet, so I can't oh. tell you. <laughs> but I wanted to tell you that that video is out there. You can check it out. He goes through his normal in-depth look where he takes a look. Oh wait, I did watch. This. Okay. 
Tell us about I it. I actually did watch it. It's exactly what he thought. He, it shows him installed. He uses it. Uh, he does some of the uh, uh, he does some of the Doug stuff. He runs out a lot of utilities on it. Uh, he likes it. You know, he gives it the high. He gives it the thumbs up this week. He also, I'll, you know, we missed an episode that I want to talk about Doug, and I don't think you've got this on your list. I'll, while we've got this up, we missed an episode. I think it's why you were gone. Where it was Doug's uh, A five hundred overhaul episode, mm. and in the episode, and I, this is why I bring it up. Uh, Doug decides to go and recap his 500, mm-hmm. right? Did you see this one? No. Well, I knew when he showed the tools he was going to use, he was going to have problems. Because one of the things he uses is one of those old-style solder suckers that just... The like thing a, with the ball on the like end? It's like a plunger-type yeah, yeah. deal. And, and uh, so he went through the whole rigmarole, what he was going to do. And then there's a cut, and he goes, well, he goes, I finished recapping it, and now it doesn't work. So I'm, <laughs> He goes, so I've sent it to Frank. And that was in the video. And I, I sent him a message. I said, listen, that happens to the best of us, man. Yeah. When it comes to doing this stuff, it's, yeah, it's, it's not hard. easy. And especially when if you don't have the right tools. Mm-hmm. One thing that a guy like Retro Rewind, for example, has got uh cheap plug is that he has all the tools you need and all the I mean, this is expensive stuff that you wouldn't have at your house right. to to take those caps out. And it's it's a challenge to do that sort of work, or take out sockets, mm-hmm. or change out connectors. That's stuff's difficult for your uh, uh, your average layperson who doesn't have access to a solder pot or a big, a huge uh, soldering station. You know, so you know it. I I enjoyed that. I like the fact that Doug had the jack. He could have just said nothing, you know. But he, I like a guy who'll go in and say, "Listen, I screwed this up." Right. And I and I and, and I, that's what I like. You know, so one good, of the good on you, Doug. One of the good things too is that maybe some people that were a little bit nervous about recapping their Amiga, knowing that they have Frank as kind of a backstop. Yeah. Because cap kits are cheap. Yeah. You know, you can get a cap kit for almost nothing. You can give it a shot. You can get some experience soldering. If it doesn't work out, you know that you can ship it to Frank and he'll make it right. Now, in terms of the video we're talking about here, where he's trying to buy Amiga, one of the striking things on this is, is render times and stuff that he goes through. Uh, and it is uh, uh, ludicrous how much faster this is than a stock. I mean, I mean it's, it, it's a thousandfold faster. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you're waiting on stuff to render, graphics, you can't go wrong with something like a Pi Amiga. Uh, if you are comfortable with using it, I mean, uh, um, it's a it's a nice package. Once you install all the stuff you need to put on there and the ROMs and, you know, all that jive, you're good to go. Uh, and Doug gives it high marks. It's an excellent package that obviously uh, that Chris Edwards spent a lot of time tweaking and, and honing into into what it is. And he went through the ringer over that. As we, I don't know if you were there for that episode. I mean, Brent talked about him getting death threats mm-hmm. and stuff, what crazy stuff and ludicrous stuff. So a uh, big hit, thumbs up to Chris for doing the job. And Doug does an excellent job of going through and. Uh, you know, he does find a few things that he doesn't like, and Doug doesn't like the interface that was used. That you know, he didn't like. He wants it more old school. Mm-hmm. One. He, but that's preference sure. stuff, and Doug sure. says that. So it's a good, it's a good look at it. Uh, I give it a shot. Doug, and, he's very good at these sorts of things too. And this is right up his alley. The Pi Mega will run on both. Will it run on only the four? It's only for the four. I'm not 100% sure what it's specifically made for. Okay. With you. Okay. I would wager it probably is just for the It four. will definitely run best on the four. It's a I shame that there's no inter- there's a lot of uh, incompatibilities between mm-hmm. the two. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe 
seems like maybe Doug runs it on that keyboard gimmick. I can't recall the numbers at the 400 or whatever that, you know, the right. The keyboard yeah. thing. You yeah. got, that's the thing you got Brent, right? That's the thing I got Brent. Right. Yeah. So yeah. We'll find out. Cause maybe we'll knock that off with a Brent. Cool. All right, Aaron, next on the list. Speaking of Chris Edwards, We've got, and this is another one, full disclosure, I've not had time to watch this. I just saw it pop up today. This is the AMD Athlon Amiga 3.9 XL build. Now, this is where you take and install uh, Amiga OS on a, on a what effectively is a PC board. Right. An Athlon board. You know, I have a couple of these Athlon boards lying around, and I've actually thought about giving this a shot. Uh, it would be neat. You know... This is one of those things. How many Amigas do you need sitting around? 30? Mm-hmm. 50? I mm-hmm. don't know. Uh, but it, it's kind of neat. And I think there's a similar situation that you can do with the Mac. Isn't there uh, isn't there a piece of uh, right. hardware that you can install Mac OS on a certain... Uh, it's a certain... Oh, no, you can install Meagle on certain Macs. Right, it's the old PowerPC yeah. Max, yeah. So so this is the same sort of thing. Of course, uh, Chris runs through here. I uh, caught some of this. I haven't caught, got to watch the whole thing yet, but I'm actually... I'm sort of interested because I've got those... I mean, how many people have old Athlon boards sitting around? Probably not too many. And mm-hmm. I don't know what they're going for these days. Right. AMD made Athlons, and they're getting up there now. This is the older Athlons. Are, it's been quite a while since those were released. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how readily available yeah, they are. It might are. be kind of a neat project if you've got an old case to slap it in, you know, and, and you want to experiment with OS 3.9, which I guess at this point is almost just a different fork of Amiga. You know, it's it's a totally different beast right, than, right. Than, than your... You know, this stuff, you know... It's fun to watch people fool with this stuff, mm-hmm. but here we are, uh, Boat. We, me and you, neither one of us tool around with the Amiga for that sort of stuff. And right. so there's not much of a use for us to fool with it. That's why I haven't done it. I mean, let's call a spade a spade, and you're not going to do it either. No. But it could be done, mm-hmm. just like the pie thing. If I didn't have the mister, that would probably be a pretty awesome thing. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe for the brand or someone that's got one of the... I mean, it's a cheap way to get into Amiga right. uh, with that. This is the same thing if you've got the hardware line around. But I don't know if I'd go out of my way to go buy an Athlon and stuff. Especially since you can get the Pi Amiga. And I'm, I would almost guarantee you that a Pi 4 is cheaper than going out and getting an Athlon system. But maybe it's not. I don't know. It'd be close, maybe. Yeah. But, that you know, I enjoy... You're just you're exactly right. Am I going to do this ever in my life? No. But I love the fact that people out there like Chris do this stuff because I can vicariously yeah. enjoy his his antics. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, Aaron. And uh, speaking of enjoying antics, uh, my favorite piece of Amiga media has had a new release back from the dead, yeah, back I, from the grave. I can't wait to see this. I've got to watch this. I you know either. I couldn't sleep last night. Yeah. And this is one of the things that just it just made my evening. I yeah. was sitting there sitting up late watching this thing. This is the Amiga Show. Uh, it is back. This is done by the man Anthony Jarvis, the only Amiga Show that is entirely produced and released on an actual Amiga computer. Of yeah. course, the, the last step goes through goes through a normal computer. But anyway, he produces this whole thing through a video toaster and various accoutrements. And uh, this is this is sort of it's a little bit different. This episode, um, instead of his normal rundown where he does some magazine stuff. This is just kind of bits and bobs that he had left over laying around throughout the year. Uh, he gives you a tour of his studio. Uh, he talks about uh, an Amiga, or he talks about a retro event that he went to. Um, he talks about, they were trying to sell the Adams family for 90 pounds. 90 pounds. You, you should Aaron. jump on that boat. <coughs> Boy, I tell you, I'd love to have a box copy of the Adams family. What would you pay for that? Not 90 pounds. Well, what's your what's your top? I pay 20 pounds for it. That's 20 about 30. That's about 35 much. bucks. That's, 
Are you nuts? What kind of collect? Now, how much would you pay for the SNES version? Oh, less. I'd uh, pay much less. Is for that, that. I mean, are those rare on the Super Nintendo? I'm guessing the Amiga version is more rare than the Super Nintendo version. But um, but this the Amiga box version looks cooler. It's a big box. Yeah. The Super Nintendo boxes aren't great. They're let's no be good. honest. Yeah, that's true. So anyway, Anthony takes you through, and then. He spends some time playing Slay. Oh, look at the shirt he's wearing too. By the yeah, way, yeah, I know, I love it. Um, the he spends some time playing Slayers of High Toro. This is a game that we heard about a couple yes. weeks ago from Pixels at Dawn. This is a really interesting game. It's a it's a game sort of like um, it's a hex based kind of capture uh, different sections of the board type thing. Uh, it didn't look like it was too super complicated. It looked like I could wrap my head around it. I'm thinking about maybe picking it up at some point in the future. It's one of the few games, and I, I'm going to echo what Pixels of Dawn said, it's one of the few Amiga games that's actually trying something new that's just not a shooter or a platformer or something like that. Mm. So you got to give the guy props, and it was actually developed with an AI algorithm. He developed the algorithm on the PC, and then he shrunk it down and put it on the Amiga. So there's all kinds of like procedural thought that the computer goes into on how to react to different situations and stuff is really interesting hmm, no kid wow yeah yeah so uh anthony does i mean it's hands down it's the best amiga content on the internet and uh, i really hope that he he brings the show back uh on a more regular basis if his work schedule allows in 2021 yeah. I, love, I love anthony's stuff yeah not just because i was on there one time that was great but... yeah that was a lot of, that's probably the most work you've ever That's done, the most pretty, work but... i've ever done for any show yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right aaron uh, that is going to end the news for this week. I think we should spend a little bit of time talking about our good buddy Frank over at Retro Rewind mm. and this new thing he's got cooking over here. This is the Amiga 4-player adapter. Now, Aaron, you said that in the past these things were available, right? Well, I mean, you've read about them. You could make them. They were sold at some point. I mean, maybe you could get them now if you looked real hard. But it's one of those things. There are quite a few Amigas. I remember looking them up with you one time. All the games that support this, the old uh, port, you know, you put this in the back of your Amiga and you can hook a couple extra joysticks. There were quite a few games, including uh, one of my all-time favorites, which is TV Sports Basketball supports. They have four players. Think about that. It's kind of neat. Yeah. The, the thought that you could have a four-player game of that, because it's great with two players or four players. I'd love to try it sometime. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And this is one of those things you can sort of bodge one together if you wanted to. But, you know, by the time you went and got the stuff and did it all the work, you know, he's only charging 15 bucks uh, for this I guarantee you, if you bought the parts and had them shipped to you, you would not be able to get this well, thing yeah, for 15 it, bucks. Yeah, it's just, you, just have to, you could you hit the solder together. You got to solder it together. You're taking the risk of bodging it. I mean, you know, you've got, this is, I think that's a, a real decent price. Uh, this has full support for every Amiga model, including the Amiga 1000. Wow, nice. And support for continuous fire via the onboard dip switches, which I did see this. They've got, he's got special uh, you know, jacked up rapid fire for the yeah. rapid fire. Pretty slick. Uh, I love it. And uh, we definitely, now this is something I would love to do with, for Boat Fest is get the old four-player <laughs> games ready. Heck yeah. As many as we can. Uh, and that would be a big fun time. Yeah. So I think this is great. Uh, Frank uh, had a great Christmas, of course. We mentioned uh, last week uh, about uh, the uh, donation, the money he donated to the local uh, food pantry. That went off without a hitch. And as we enter the new year, uh, he's got a bunch of sticks in the fire. I talked to Frank occasionally to see what he's got coming up. And so he's going to have a big year. But he told me if this has been a great year for him. And uh, I think there's more uh, more things to come. Of course, uh, if you're not familiar with Retro Rewind, gosh, we've talked about them 
quite a bit on the show. There, it's a great outfit. Uh, Frank sells a lot of great products. He sells everything from uh, the new Amiga OS stuff, all the Kickstart chips, all the way up to cap kits, uh, the uh, Kung Fu flash cards for your C64, the SDC uh, cartridges for the Coco. There's Coco stuff there. There's C64, C128, CDTV, all the Cs, everything in the Connor family you can get stuff for at Retro Rewind. Uh, he also is full service, including uh, recapping uh, your machines, uh, and which I'm going to take full advantage of that mm-hmm. next time I see him. And uh, he will take care of your repairs as well. And he is not some uh, Johnny-come-lately. This guy's been a professional uh, uh, computer repair guy and design guy for the decades. Yeah. All he the way back to, I mean, all the way back to when he was on Tech TV with Leo Laporte. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. So if you are interested in picking something up uh, or having something fixed, and especially if you're in North America, uh, being that Frank is in uh, Canada, uh, he will set you up good and proper. And if you're not in the States or in Canada, uh, he gets a lot of stuff from the UK, Europe, all over the area. So feel free to hit him up. And check him out at RetroRewind.ca, Boat. Bam. And as if that wasn't enough, why not save a few bucks? Help out your boys. Uh, Me and the boat a little bit while you're there. Use the promo code AMIGOS10, Boat. Save a few bucks. Save 10%. 10%. That's a couple dollars. It is. And then uh, we get a little skin in the game Mm -hmm. on top of that. Mm -hmm. Thanks to Frank. Uh, So uh, check that out. AMIGOS10. Use that code. At RetroRewind.ca, Boat. Awesome, awesome. All right, Aaron, the time has come to talk about the best and the worst. Oh, man. Is, of is it go 2021. Time oh, man. All right, what do you got on the... What's first in the docket, Boat? Okay, so we start out with the most surprising game of 2021. So not necessarily the best or the worst, just the most surprising. (laughs) Now, I chose the game Hunter, Aaron. This was suggested to us by Benny Cake, Amigos Game Selection Committee member Benny Cake. Uh, This was episode 319 from October 1st. Hunter, how would you describe it? Hunter was the GTA of its time in a way. It's a, I think you in the episode describe it as immersive. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great way to describe it. It's it's a playable uh, game that is expansive, and I mean the map is expansive. It's a it's a game where you are set on missions. You have to complete tasks in the game. Uh, as you are, as I recall, you're defending your homeland from the invaders by doing all these sabotage things and picking people up and getting the people, uh, and you get there via so everything from walking, running, and swimming all the way to flying uh, in helicopters, airplanes, various types of helicopters, boats, cars, bicycles, all sorts of vehicles, uh, all sorts of buildings that you can go into. It's an incredible game. And it's funny that when we covered this, because we'd had a cup of coffee with it on one of the Amigathons, and I thought to myself, that's kind of neat when we played it. But when you sit down and really get into it, a lot of thought was put into the game, and not just the actual gameplay, but the... Uh, the backstory of what they've got going on. its It was very impressive. I'll have to say, it was one of the more impressive games we played this year. You know, this was surprising to me because I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't think a game like this could physically be made to run on the Amiga. I mean, it runs so fast. 
There is so much to do. There are so many vehicles to get into. There are so many people to interact with. The world is so big. I just thought this was a game that was too big for the humble 16-bit line of computers. It's funny. We should mention this was a game that was originally developed for the Atari ST yeah. and then came to the Amiga. Um, I was surprised by every facet of this game from Jump Street. Yeah, uh, and even the little stuff. like I, I like the onboard real-time map. I remember mm-hmm. that, which was super handy. <coughs> you know, I, I, the uh, inventory system was good. I liked it. I liked this game a lot. I mean, listen, uh, it's 2021. You go back and play a game like this. I mean, you're going to look at it and be like, my God, that looks so rudimentary. Mm-hmm. You know, po- polygonal, it's it, it's it's detailless in a lot of ways. But, I mean, if when you put yourself into perspective the time this was released, it was very impressive. And even today, it's got a few tricks you wouldn't expect. Yeah. Now, Aaron, what was your most surprising game of the year? What was it? I've it was this game. Yeah, it's not what it was. <laughs> we it's both the picked game. the same game on this yeah, one. So. This one surprised me big time. And... Listen, we we know week after week. We okay, we get it. We get a little bit of time to know what we're playing. And when this one comes up, I was like, I remembered it from me. I was like, ah, this might be one of these, you know, like goofy thing. But I mean, it really did surprise me with how impressive it was and how playable it was. That's the that's the thing that impressed me the most. This is a game you can sit down and play and have a good time with. Yeah, yeah. Now, I added a little thing in here just before we started because I did want to give it honorable mention, the most surprising category of the year. You know, we went a little insane with the number of categories that the Game Selection Committee uh, picked from this year. Yes. In addition, we had our, uh, you know, the, the 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 flashback category where we chose from the first 50 games. Uh, we had, of course, PD Week and all this stuff. But to me, the most surprising category this year was edutainment, Aaron. It was surprising, all right. Well, I'll tell you why it was surprising. Because most of the edutainment games that we played, I'd say 90% of them, I really enjoyed. Yeah, it, it was. That's another thing where every week I'm like, this is going to suck. And almost, almost every week it didn't suck. Right, yeah. In fact, I think you shot this footage, yeah. Code. So this was a game that I was totally thinking would be super lame and, and not fun. And I turned, it, I, I played the heck out of this thing. It was, it was all, it, it's a, it's a game that shouldn't be a game. Yeah. That's the fun thing about it. You sit down and play it and it's like, you know, this is fun and you're also, it, it works today. Mm-hmm. Like you can put your kid on it today and improve their typing skills. It was impressive. And this is the first time I've ever played one of these Mavis Beacon games. Uh, yeah, so, me too. I know, was brand new to it yeah, also. And it was neat. And I was like thinking to myself, where was this when I was learning how to type on this? Got awful typewriters when mm-hmm. I was in high school. We mm-hmm. didn't have word processors or anything. We would have begged for anything to help. So right. this, this is a far cry from that. But I mean, you could le- easily stick this in any school right now, set the kids down, and they could they would get some use out of it. Yeah. I agree with you on that one. Buddy. Yeah. So now we go from the great surprise to the dumpster fire, Aaron. Oh, man. We go I right. Heck of a tie with this one, Bode. The worst game of 2021. Now, Aaron. If, I don't know about you, but when I was looking over the list of games that we played on Amigos this year, we played a lot of stinkers. Well, a lot of duds. Yeah. In fact, I had a tie in this, but I'll, I'll lead the dance if I made both. Sure, man. Uh, and, I, the, you know, I had trouble. I had two. I wrote down two. It was a tie. But I did that sort of for a reason. Uh, and the one of the first two I picked was Switchblade. Uh, this game... Not only did I not like it, but it actually made me it made me angry. It made me furious. <laughs> uh, the uh, the main title character in this is the is the biggest geek you ever saw, and his fighting skills are atrocious. Mm. And you're supposed to fight and claw your way to this bland, ugly game with forever scrolling gray backgrounds uh, as you walk underground 
with these stupid monsters that pop up out of nowhere. They look dumb. They hug you to death. Mm-hmm. They grope you to death. Yep. Uh, uh, your guy walks around. He makes the guy from Elevator Action look muscular and tough. <laughs> He's the biggest wiener boy in the history of heroes, and his name is Hero. The backstory of this promised, I remember that it promised uh, a some kind of dystopian future, and they were name-dropping crap like Akira mm-hmm. and a Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Where they got those combinations, I mean, you could have name-dropped anything. This has nothing to do with nothing. Right. Unless there's a unless there's a show out there that involves snake fish <laughs> attacking a geek, then I, that's the only thing I've ever what do you think of this one? Listen, the here's the here's what you need to have in a platforming game. It needs to feel right. Yeah. And nothing about this game feels right. No. I mean, we've played ZX Spectrum platformers that made this game or that that, that made this game look I mean, there's no comparison. There's no, no comparison to how bad this was. This game is called Switchblade. The first 30 to 45 minutes of the game, you do not have a Switchblade. You don't, you get nothing. The one thing I remember from this game is the combat controls. I believe we coined the phrase trombone combat control right. because you have to sort of guess the position of the joystick and hope you got it right. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. And when his main move is the sweep, disaster. Yeah. This game was an unmitigated horror. And what made it worse, I went back to check out the show we did this on. Just to, And I even loaded it up this week just to get a whirl. It still stinks, by the way. But I couldn't believe any people were like putting it over. That was astounding to me. I was like, are you kidding me? Uh, but so I guess for some people they liked it. Yeah, this is this was really one of the games where I felt like they they put 16-bit lipstick on an 8-bit pig. Yeah, I know? agree. And while we're on the subject, uh my and I want to ease seamlessly into my other because this I tied for worst game. That's how many bad games we played. The other one I picked out of the heap was uh Action Fighter. This game also stunk. A horrible coin-op conversion of, of a not-great coin-op game. Now, what do these things both have in common? Well, they both have music by Ben Dagley, unfortunately. <laughs> well, that's 90% of Amiga And they're games, both though, done by Core, the mm. much-ballyhooed studio. So apparently, whatever whatever reason, Core took a dive on a couple of these games mm-hmm. and turned out two big stinkers. I couldn't decide which one I hated more. I hate the concepts, the combat of of and the backgrounds of Switchblade so much, but it was sort of kind of like a game that you could sort of play. And it did I did like the map system in it, the the way the screens unfurled. Yeah, I did like that. That was pretty cool. Where Action Fighter was too hard, unplayable, ugly, stupid game based on a not that great arcade game. So when you and it's not like the arcade game was an was something that was a graphical tour of force, right, right. but they still couldn't get it right. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to play this game, you want to play it on a master system. This game was a, just a dud for yeah. me, so I added this in and thumbs down the core. <laughs> Stinko, that was not not your best work, boys. Now, Aaron, we move on to the games that should have been great. All right, from this, year. what do we got? Well. I chose uh, Diggers. You remember Diggers, Aaron? I do remember Diggers. This is is kind of a real-time strategy game where you are digging, oddly enough. Yeah. Um, You go under the ground, you you collect items, you collect gems and stuff, and you bring them back to your house. 
uh, this game has all the earmarks of a game that can be great. I mean, think about a game like Lemmings. One of the most satisfying things in Lemmings is when you select the Lemming that can that can that can dig. Yeah. And you see him, and he's got his big hands out, and he's going, and you're like, yeah. So just imagine a whole game where you get to do nothing but that, and you're finding things, and you're you're collecting things, and you're beating up bad guys. Unfortunately, what lets this game down is its truly, truly awful control system. This is one of these games where it's one of those mouse control deals where you have compass points set up and they're not set up near your character. They're set up in the upper part of the screen. You've got to go up there and you've got to select down and to the left and then down and then down and to the right. And it takes you out of the experience and it's so clunky and it's so awful. And the thing that makes it even worse is that this was a CD32 launch title. This game was bundled with the CD32, a system that had a controller. Yeah, this game, first of all, I hate games like that. Same reason I don't like Diablo. I don't like using the mouth to move guy around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, All that said, this game, I didn't think this game was double hideous. It was was okay. However, to bundle this with your CD32, what in God's name were they thinking? You couldn't find something. Right. Better than you're out this. to you're out to try and complete with the PlayStation, and you bring diggers to well, the table. I mean, the, yeah, well, the PlayStation wasn't around when this thing came out. Well, but, I'm just I mean, saying, it close. It's the same. It's the same yeah. generation. It, it, the point of it is that you wanted to put your best foot forward. Yeah, yeah, that's all I'm you saying. You could have put anything. Yeah, out there. You know, listen. Uh, uh, why not put out a, something that has polygons? It looks a little. You know, even the Jaguar put out. A, a polygonal fighter that, game, that's, I mean, or that very tank good. game, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so yeah, this was this was a dud, and this game did have. There was fun to be had here. Yeah. I think it just wasn't very good. It was just so. It was so executed. close to being great. Poorly yeah. executed. Uh, that was chosen, nominated by Pixels at Dawn. This was episode three fifteen on September third. Now, Aaron, uh, you've got a game here, CyberCon three. Okay, Cyber CyberCon three was the game I picked for this. That game that was close but no cigar. <coughs> By the way, that's the this could be the category that I would put the Amiga under. Mm-hmm. Games that you almost got there but you didn't quite get there. Right. Now, CyberCon Three I think is an astounding game and a lot of like Hunter. I'd never played this game. I never heard of this game, and so when we played it, I was blown away. Yeah, this is another one of those like work. Of, it's well, it's the work of one man. He had a dream and he 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 executed the dream. Yeah, I thought this was a real good game. Now, uh, the what keeps it from being a game you want to go out and play right now? Well, it's just, it's confusing. It needs, it, they need to probably tone down the vision a little bit. This was a, an ambitious title. They added too much stuff to it. They made it comp, too complicated mm-hmm. to get around, mm-hmm. right? But it's one of those elite tigers where it's all packed on like a disc. Right. It's amazing how much they packed on there. And if, you, if you've got the patience to sit down and play a game like this, there's a lot of fun to be had. I mean, it's real advanced mm-hmm. dealing with all the robots and stuff. And but I mean, I like the look of it. The, I remember there was a very intense backstory to it. Mm-hmm. It's another one of those where someone the, put a lot of work this into is, it. This is one of these games where again, it's a graphical tour de force. You've got these. You're in a 3D world, flat shaded polygons. Yeah, and it moves smooth as silk. Yeah, it really yeah. does move well. It, did, it so. did real well. So this is one. This is one of those you want to you want to give give it a shot if you've got time to kill and you're very patient mm-hmm. uh, and, and with these types of games. Something else you've got to do. This is the kind of game where you also have to have not just patience, but you have to have some ability to move the guy around. Like you have to be good with your sense of direction. And this is not just a walk around a 3D environment, no, interact with live puzzles. Action, yeah, yeah, there's you've got to jump. 
you've got to yeah. do all kinds of stuff. So, so. It's, but I, again, this one I think they were, they were on the right track. They didn't quite get there with me, but I thought this had a lot of potential. That's yeah. why I stuck it in. Now I had a tie on this category. Okay. I, I tied between Diggers and Street Rod, Aaron. Street Rod. Yeah, Street Rod was nominated to the AGSC by Hermski, and this was episode three twenty five on November twelfth. Uh, Street Rod, Aaron, was a game that is totally unlike any other game, any other racing game I've ever played, and that you get a whole gr- uh, bevy of real cars from real manufacturers. Yeah. And this is in the golden age of automotive design, you know, all these classic 40s and 50s and 60s cars. Mm-hmm. And you can go into your garage and you can tune them up, you can chop the top, you can lower the thing, you can take off the bumpers, all kinds of customization. It's a neat backstory. You're trying to get as much cash as you can before summer's over. Yeah. And you challenge all these guys to races. Uh, It's graphically very, very impressive. Unfortunately, this game is called Street Rod. And what you're doing in a Street Rod is you're racing. Yeah. And what you're not doing in this game is having a lot of fun racing. Yeah. Yeah. This game reminded me of like, it's almost like a Cinemaware title in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And what really gets me is the guys that did this game, I believe they're all Polish, as I recall. And they were all double or triple passionate about this era and the cars. I love the idea of looking through the one ads. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of going to the malt shop and being at the drive-in. And just watching guys cruise up in and their they, cars. And, you know, and yeah. it just, there was a lot to love here. I would like to have had this. It, it shows you going back and forth. It would have been a lot more fun to let you drive there in your mm-hmm. car. Mm-hmm. You know, I like the idea that if your car's not cool enough, people wouldn't even race you. Right. You know, the pink slip. This game had a lot going for it. It came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It's another one because I remember when it got picked, I was like, oh man, this mm-hmm. is, well, I don't know about this one. It was fun. It was, you're right. Its weakest element was the fact that the racing was not good. Yeah. If they could have put something together, I mean, this is a concept I would love to see revisited, uh, you know, and it would be fun because I'm not a car guy, Bo, you know that. But this was a joyous game mm-hmm. and, and they really did a good job setting the era. Especially concerning these guys, they're Polish guys. They've recaptured that late fifties, early sixties feel, mm-hmm. and it made it was a lot of fun. I, I have to say, this was a this was a sleeper. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. All right, and now we move on to the most fun game. So this is not our game of the year. This is the game that's just simply the most fun. The game where you can say, "Listen, I could sit down right now and play this for an hour and be happy." Yeah. Uh, why don't you lead the dance with your choice, Aaron? You chose Alienator. I did. Now this is a game. You talk about coming out of nowhere, boat. Uh, Alienator, and I think this blew, caught both of us by surprise. This was our one of our PD episodes, P- Public Domination, mm-hmm. and we've played a lot of Public Domination games that were like sometimes they're pretty good. And every once in a while, you find that gem. That's like right. Your Alien Fish Fingers, mm-hmm. you know, or your Hangar Eighteen, or that one. Well, all these games have to do with aliens. Yeah, and this one, <laughs> this one, uh, it was a top shelf game, Alienator where you fly a ship around defending your planet against these UFOs, these aliens. Listen, what can I say about this? The fact that this is a public domain game is ridiculous to me. How mm-hmm. this guy didn't go, go to the money bank with this engine? Yeah. Run smooth, 3D. Mm-hmm. The uh, This guy figured out how to make the controls work, right? These controls were spot on. One button, one joystick, you're golden. It's got the gauges, all the gauges on this thing work. The HUD is the immensely HUD is useful. Yeah. When things explode, they shatter and spark up. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you, there are certain ships that are real tough. There are ominous ships. There's like skull face ships. The levels that gives you a chance to learn what you're doing as you move up the ranks. 
Then it starts firing it up, making it a lot more complicated, a lot more difficult. Uh, this is one of the few space games where I could control my ship, and I felt like I knew what I was doing. And I also felt like I was in like a, the hot rod of spaceships where you were really rocking it around. I love this game. This one blindsided me. This was, in my mind, all this was up near the top of the games we played this year mm-hmm. for me. Is it the deepest? No. Is it the most? Uh, uh, is it the game that you'll play for a uh, hundred hours straight? No. But for a little arcade hit, especially on the Amiga, where you're not not known for these sorts of games being fun, this was a lot of fun to me. Yeah, and you yeah. liked it too. I'm going to have more to say about it because it's going to come back a little bit later oh, on okay. the list. So the most fun game for me, I had to go back to the classic. This was nominated by Paul, a.k.a. Hermski, episode 302 on May 28th. This was SimCity, Aaron. Oh, yes. I know you love these. You know, SimCity is a game that they've made countless iterations on. SimCity 8000 by now. You know, and I've played most of them. I've got the uh, the new SimCity that's real good. I can't think yep. what it's called right now, but it wasn't made by I mean, Maxis. It's not SimCity. Yeah, it's not yeah. SimCity, but it's great. City Skylines. C- yeah, City yeah. Skylines. I played the heck out of that. But there's just something about the original because you're not worried about all the things that you're worried about. You're not laying down water pipes. You're not adjusting the level of the train. You're not creating hills and valleys and right. things like that. You're building a city. You've got, you've got your residentials, your industrials, and your commercials. You're doing the best you can with what you have. And then once you get it all built, you turn the disasters loose and you watch it all crumble. There, There's something in it. Part of it's nostalgia. Part of it is that I played the heck out of this on the, the Super Nintendo, which I believe is the definitive version. But the Amiga version being the lead platform, the original game was developed for the Amiga. Uh, I believe. I believe that's the case. It was either the Amiga or the Macintosh or they were developed simultaneously. This is where it all started. And to me... This is the one that I always come back to. What do you think, man? You know, I'm not a big SimCity guy, as mm-hmm. you know. That much said, totally playable. You could sit down. It, it's one of those games where you sit down and screw around and have a good time. You can make a city. You can wreck a city. You can screw with a city. It's more limiting than uh, the, the sequels would be. SimCity 2000, I liked more than this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I'll, mostly I just go there and mess around anyway. It was it was a good time. Uh, is this the most polished version? No, but it's still it, it it's still playable. Mm-hmm. You can still have a good time with it. And I know if you're into this sort of thing, this could, would be big with you. It's not my favorite, but I can understand why you dig it. Yeah, yeah. So that was my most fun game. Now, uh, Aaron, we move on to the, our final category: game of the year. Oh man! All right, and I'll lead the dance this time. And guess what? What's that? It's Alienator. Really? Alienator was my game of the year, and I'll tell you why. First of all, this game came out of nowhere, as you said. I want to repeat some of the things you said, but I'm going to do it. I was right. Yeah, yeah, you were right. This game came out of nowhere. This guy created this game, this engine, what is essentially a 3D Defender game is what you're doing. Um, And uh, he he developed this game, and for whatever reason, he decided not to shop it around. He didn't take it to any trade shows. He didn't call up any publishers. He just decided to put it out there. Yeah. Okay? And this game, as far as we know, the, yeah, as far as we know, this game destroys so many other games that try and do the same thing. Yeah, and I'll tell you that the secret is all about the same thing that you said. It's the sense of control yeah. that you have. You really feel like you're controlling the spaceship, and you feel almost one with it. The way that the mouse controls works—that's yeah. what you in a in a in a good simulation game, like a, you know, whether it's motorcycle or boat or plane. You want to feel like the controller has disappeared. 
because in most cases, you're not going to have the real controls. You're using a keyboard or a mouse or whatever. You want that to disappear, and you want to feel like you're in the cockpit, and that's what this game does for you. Yeah. I love the fact that the map is easy to understand. It's not too big. It's not too small. I love the fact, like you said, the HUD is perfect. It lays everything out that you need. It, it, does, it doesn't waste any it's space. It's one of the few times where they actually made a HUD just the right size to put the information you needed for, to play the game. Yeah. There's no extra HUD. They don't have the name in there. It's all proper. And right, I love that. Right. At the beginning of the game, you get these beautiful 3D models that rotate yeah. around and they explain what each character does, yeah. what each enemy does. And it's all spelled out for you it's because the advantage of having a PD. I was going to say it's a yeah. PD game. They didn't ship with the manual. Yeah. And the the last thing, Aaron, is just it just runs so smooth. Yeah. I mean, it's smooth like silk. One would wonder why, like having played games like on the Amiga, like a Wing Commander, for example. Right. Like I would love to have seen the, the ship control like this with the fluidity of this in that. Right. Like then you got something. Like, right. They should have looked this guy up. Right. Now there's a lot more going on in Wing Commander, you know, but there's also a lot. There's a lot less a going ton, on. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I think you could have uh, uh, used this engine, and certainly the control scheme, mm -hmm. which is one of the best ones on any game. Certainly flying games. I mean, it just it works great. Right. So I'm I'm surprised that you named this your game of the year, but I'm pleasantly surprised because I thought about it because I had so much fun with it. Uh, it's an excellent choice, Bug. What's your game of the year, Aaron? You know, I never thought I'd see the day where I would be the guy doing this, but I can't help it. <laughs> I can't help it, Bo. My game of the year this year it was Metal Gear. The Metal Gear port uh, over here, it was awesome. You know, it was uh, it, everything about this was well done. They went to the definitive version of Metal Gear, the <laughs> MSX version. Then they... Gave you the options, all the options, all the screen options, all the music options, new, well-made music mm -hmm. for the game. You don't have to have it, but it's in there. Uh, and, uh, you know, all the save features you need. And then when you boil down Metal Gear as a game, all right, and this is no, this is just, I'm going to call it like it is. This game is famous for a reason. It was a very innovative game. It's different than almost anything you're going to play of this era uh, this kind of stealth gameplay. Now, uh, is this game perfect? No, uh, but it's not the it's not the translation's fault. It's just right. the game is overly difficult and overly complex in mm -hmm. some areas, right? Mm -hmm. But this is the game. This is the game that you get. Uh, uh, you get everything that Metal Gear should have been, and what it did was it gave the Amiga the definitive version of this game on any machine. Right. This is it. Mm -hmm. And everyone knows about Metal Gear, everybody. And everybody knows about the MSX version, which the playing this on the MSX, it's almost like a bridge too far for a lot of people, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. What Huffman did here, Hoffman, excuse me, he, Hoffman gave the gift to people all over the world that don't, that don't even know about the MSX. A lot more people know about the Amiga and gave it to you with all the nice little bonus features that he could give you, uh, including a new ending, new graphics for the ending, spiced new, up new graphics, character portraits, yep. new portraits, and all the nice new tunes. When you're going to do something like this, uh, and I was hesitant, like you know, it's not an original game or whatever. But I mean, we didn't get it on the Amiga. So few systems got this version. Mm -hmm. One mm -hmm. that makes it fresh to me, and right. so for me. I was not only was I surprised how much I enjoyed Metal Gear because I played this on the NES back in the day. This version's way better, mm -hmm. 
but I was impressed with the uh, how much detail that they put into it. I, I really enjoyed this game. So I, believe it or not, I put Metal Gear into my game of the year. I've got to be honest with you. I, I wouldn't have expected you to choose this game in a million years because I never really pegged you as a big Metal Gear guy. I'm not. Yeah. But I mean, I gotta, I'm one of these guys. I call them like I see them. Mm-hmm. And, I, and trust me, when this game came up to, for us to play, I'm like, oh, here we go. Metal Gear. Mm-hmm. I remember this old thing. It was fun, and it makes you think, and it makes you approach things in a certain way. Now, it's not perfect, like I said, but it's it's fun. And on top of it, it's not just the game itself. It's the fact that they this very, very well-respected game is now an Ami- almost like an Amiga exclusive. Mm-hmm. It's a huge deal. Well, yeah, absolutely. You know? I would call this an Amiga exclusive because you're yeah. not going to get this package yeah. anywhere else. So that, and to me, the, the translation... The additional stuff, and plus additional stuff he didn't have to do. Right? He didn't have to do the music right. and the saves and all sorts of stuff. He didn't have to do what he did. And the fact that he used the proper version and the fact that he spiced it up and he did it the right ways, all that stuff rolled up made that my game of the year. Yeah. Well, I I can't say much more than what you've already said. It's it's a it's a fantastic game. I played a hundred hours of the original NES Metal Gear. Yeah. Uh, mostly with the aid of the game genie because it was just too hard. Yeah, uh, and this this defeats it soundly. Uh, and uh, if you are at all interested in a game that truly uh, redefined what video games could do in terms of mechanics, in terms of storytelling, you owe it to yourself to uh, to check this out. Now, I will sure. say, with all that said, I, and I I stand by this, uh, if if Alienator would have ha- had had more, if there was more to it, right? Mm-hmm. And this wasn't such a pivotal thing. I probably would have picked it. I really, really like that game, and I think that's uh, the true hidden gem. We haven't really uncovered a hidden gem with that for a long time, and I think that's a that was a big time hidden gem uh, uh, that I really I double endorse that. So this was a year of many highs and many lows. I look back over the list of all the stuff we looked at, and there was a lot of duds in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was some stuff in there that made it worthwhile. Yeah. And the education stuff was surprisingly more fun than not just uh, Mavis, but a lot of the stuff was a lot more fun, than, except for Dinosaurus. <laughs> I'm not going to That one wasn't that great. But the rest of the stuff I really enjoyed. We got one. We we put out the call, and this was a call late in coming because yeah. uh, we, we all these end-of-the-year shows, they kind of come upon us quickly. Yeah. We asked our Discord community to write about their game of the year. Alan Kebab wrote in, he said, Knights of the Sky, one of my favorite games on the Amiga, but unfortunately I missed the show within which it was featured. That was a that was a surprise to me. Now, Knights of the Sky wasn't perfect either, but we did have a lot of fun with that one. I, I enjoyed it, uh, but man, getting around and it just took it, that was the thing I didn't like about it. Mm-hmm. It was that that made it a lot tougher. Yeah, he said, however, you guys can take credit for a 64-year-old man battling it out with Baron Ravon Richtenfen on his work PC in between jobs. Yes, I put together an auto-booting WinUAE image with Knights on the Sky on uh, Knights of the Sky in it so my dad could fire it up this year when work was slow and get himself up on the dogfight leaderboard. So Alan got his dad going with this thing. That's awesome. I love awesome. that. That's dandy. He says we used to talk about the family when we spoke on the phone, but now he insists on taking me through his latest plane he's unlocked and how the Red Baron is X kills behind no. it. I love, that's I love awesome. that. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome, Boat. All right, Aaron, that's going to take care of our best of the year and the worst of the year, but now it's time for the ever-popular Amiga Predictions. Oh, man. 
the hat. It's in good. The hat's in good form this year. Yeah, it is. Flat last time. Well, you know, I, I puff it up before yeah. I go out. Aaron, what are your predictions for 2021? Well, you know, uh, I'll make a couple here if I, okay. if I can. I've got to start off with the uh, Amiga uh, 500 Mini, mm-hmm. which is coming out. Uh, I do predict success for this. I think you'd be an idiot not to predict it. However, uh, I don't. I, I my prediction is number one: me and you won't see one of these featured in any store we go to in mm. West Virginia. We we'll have to order them. Uh, and I do predict that by the end of the year, the full size version will be announced. Mm. And uh, as a side prediction, I predict that amongst aside from the fact that we'll have uh, a, a full size full running keyboard. They will also allow you to emulate peripherals. Oh, that's my my prediction. There'll be peripheral emulation in there. Mm. There you go. That's one for me. Okay. Well, I'm going to go with uh, also related to the Amiga 500. I'm going to predict that we will see these on store shelves. I'm going to predict that GameStop, EB, whatever they're called, I think we're going to see a shipment of these. When was the last time Electronics Boutique was around? That's been literally decades ago. Whatever. And you're predicting things? You're I'm predicting that? the rise of Electronics Boutique. Wow, then Funko Land's coming back. That would be stunning. So I think we are going to see these based on, I think the C64 sold pretty well. I think that they, they were holding back. on, And I think, that, and it's possible. I mean, how often do you go into a GameStop? Uh, quite often, yeah. Do you really? Yeah, the kid likes to go in. Oh, uh, okay. Because yeah. I really go in. I was going to say, well, but if you it, think the GameStop's going to have these, I think they will on their knickknack shelf by the Funko have Pops. Have you seen any minis at the GameStop in the past six months? I never go to GameStop. Well, so you don't know if your predictions are going to come to fruition or not. You're right. I don't know if my predictions will come to fruition or not. Well, I want to hear you make a bold prediction. Okay, here's a bold prediction. All right. There is going to be. Some sort of a game-changing Pi-based hardware solution for the Amiga 1000 that's coming up next year. It's going to be something that allows the Amiga 1000 to get that fabled chip RAM that it needs to run so many games. You're going to be able to plug this thing in somewhere on the board, and it's going to give you exactly what you want. Okay, that's my prediction, because that's the, really the only thing that stands in my way of playing a ton of games on the old 1000. So I'm predicting there's going to be a Pi Zero-based solution for the Amiga 1000. Okay, I've got a bold prediction. Okay. This one's bold. All right. This is bold. I predict that it will be announced before the end of 2022, there will be a full-sized uh, replica ZX Spectrum Mini. It won't be a mini because they're going to skip that because the ZX Spectrum is small. It will be a dead flesh keyboard style ZX Spectrum. 48K. Well, no, it'll be the big, it'll be the 128. Well, then it won't be a dead flesh keyboard. Well, they can do both. It's going to be one. No, listen, this is a mini. Don't you want It's going to have the Spectrum look. So it's going to look. The abilities of the. Okay. Okay. So it's still. So so they're going to still make the dead flesh keyboard. Right. But it'll just, it'll be able to do everything. That's correct. And it's going to, and it will, it'll be just like the Amiga Mini. With the front end, the whole nine yards, but this will be a ZX Spectre version. This will be announced after the success of the Amiga Mini. That's the only thing left, and it's going to be solid gold. Mm. I'm going to get one of those, too. There you go. What do you think about that? Now, That's bold. That is bold. But also, I well, here's the thing. We'll never see that here, either. 
That I will agree with. <laughs> so you would say if we're if we're going down the list, we've had the C sixty four, the Amiga. Next in line is going to be the ZX Spectrum. The ZX Spectrum it deserves one. Yeah, I, I, I've got to agree with you because what are you going to put next in line? I mean, it's not going to be the Amstrad. It's not just that, but think about this because me and you have played a lot of Spectrum games in mm-hmm. the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Okay, now listen, a Spectrum Mini would be idiotic. Okay, however, they're you can make one that's like three quarters size or maybe full size, right? Right. Same package in right. there. Right. Yep. And there are tons of untapped Spectrum games ready to go. Mm-hmm. They're gold. You get your you put you, you put joystick port on it. You know you, they were already you you know you're used to using the same sort of sticks. Put you know they'll put a USB on it or whatever, and they'll and they'll release a stick for it. And it'll be that right there will be fun, and they'll sell a lot of those. Because those aren't games; those are games you want to play on your Spectrum. You want that's one where people are up the nostalgia factor. I think it'll it'll do well. So that's my that's my bold prediction, Bo. All right. Do you have any Amigos predictions for twenty twenty one for this show for twenty twenty two? Oh gosh, <laughs> do you? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. I predict the Boat Fest <laughs> is going to be a success that surpasses even our most wildest dreams. Oh yeah. With uh, the possible uh, attendance of Amiga Bill bringing an entirely new dimension to things. If he does a live stream live from Bootfest on the show floor, that's going to attract a crowd. We might, even, we might even have to double down on Bootfest 2023 and rent out the Civic Center. Well, I don't, think it's a, I don't think that's a bold prediction because I think your festival will do quite nicely. However, uh, I will predict... That the people will clamor for Dowdy Palooza. Oh, maybe so. Maybe so. And I'll open up shop directly across the street. It's a competing show. I like it. I like it. You'll be right across the street in the Putnam County Library. That's it. That's where I'm going to have my. They got a big conference room back there. They do. They do. And the people that come to Dowdy Palooza, they got to sleep in the street. There's nowhere to stay. Be out around the boarding house here. Out beside the dumpster behind Taste of Asia. That's where they'll go. That's where the good food's at back there. All right. Well, we did get one New Year's prediction from our Discord community. Wow, they really stepped up. Oh no, we got two. <laughs> uh, and again, I just announced this a couple of days ago, so no fault on the Discord community. You mean right before Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> so Ricky DeRosha says, "Boat finally repents of his heathen Commodore sixty four hating ways and learns to love and appreciate the C sixty four for the eight bit wonder that it is." Unlikely. You put over the CC4 occasionally. Occasionally, yeah. occasionally. How much you you got all off about the about the music on the thing. Yeah, yeah, that's so, true. Yeah. Uh, and Aaron, he's got a prediction for you. Aaron quits his job and devotes his life to twenty four hour Barbie streaming. Hmm. You know, we're well, still waiting on that Barbie stream. I, it's coming. Uh, uh, here's the thing: if I could sustain myself with Barbie streaming, we were just talking about a Twitch streamer, that, a shameless Twitch streamer that makes boot. Boku cash. Mm-hmm. If I could shamelessly Twitch stream twenty four seven and get the big money, I would quit my job. I would I would stream Barbie, Ken, Scooby Doo, Scrappy, whatever you want. I'd do it. I, I'm ready to go. <laughs> and Lord Soup predicts we get a duet of Aaron and the Boatster for charity. I'd love to hear the big guy's dulcet tones. <laughs> what charity would sponsor <laughs> that? Would we? Do? It's a chair we don't like. That's a good question. That's a good question. <laughs> a rich person retirement fund. Yeah. So thank you as always, everybody, for your predictions. Uh, and, uh, you know, Aaron, as we uh, come to the end of 2022, I did have a little, a couple extra things here up here. Um, 
first one, we got a Christmas card. Oh boy. This is uh this is sort of a yearly tradition here. This is from the one and only Jonas, aka O'Brien's retro and vintage. Yeah, I'll put you uh, close up here so you can hold it up. There. Yeah, he always uh he always sends us a beautiful uh Christmas card every year and he says, Dear amigos, wish you all a very Merry Christmas and a happy new year. Thanks for making such great shows. Loved conversations from the dark side, by the way. Hope you'll make more of those. You know, that show really developed a following that the numbers belie. Well, it did great for the the podcast did great. Right. Uh it's coming back. We'll be back in January. Uh, the next topic will involve UFOs. Oh. In fact, I've already uh, I've already started getting everything put together for that boat. So yeah, that's coming up. We haven't abandoned it. We're gonna have a big we're gonna have a pack January between that uh, International Computer Club uh, and uh, our all of our other nonsense. So yeah. yeah, that's gonna be a big month. All right, you got to move on to our community updates. So we we missed a ton of stuff. So we we're did. Gonna go, we're gonna kind of briskly go through these boats. Now, the last time you were on the show was way back at Hardball. We're going to just go flash forward to last. Of course, uh, if you caught uh, the show uh, from last week, which is our Christmas show, but if you didn't catch this, uh, I want to talk about our Snowed Under show boat, which was, uh, we did a special R. Sinclair. Mm -hmm. In case you didn't catch it, there's us boat uh, hanging out right where we're at now. Uh, We took a look at a charity game called Snowed Under from yeah. Buddy Allen. And what a game. It's a beauty, isn't it? It's wonderful. It's wonderful. This is a game, uh, and I thought, I've thought about this all week, and I'm going to bring this up on the next Coco Talk. I'm going to mention right. this game by name. The Spectrum has no sprites, yeah. just like the Coco. Yeah. Okay? The Spectrum is approximately the same vintage as the Coco. Yeah. Why can we not get a game like Snowed Under well, on the Coco? Well, you can. I mean, now listen. Now, there's games that this. I think you could port this to the Coco. I hope that he does because this game moves so fast. It moves so fast. It's got the, the levels are super, super. They're challenging, but they're not too bad. I love the way that I love the energy meter and all that stuff. This is a fantastic game. You know, this game, Alan. It's like he wrote a game thinking, "What would boat like?" It's right up your alley. Mm. This game, it's single, single screen. Uh, platformer. It's very clever. It's very seasonal. The music's good. Mm-hmm. Music on the ZX is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a great game. And all the money, uh, I, I like to say at least four pound, 25 Yeah, all the proceeds, all the proceeds yeah. go to charity. There, If you buy the cassette version, of course, they've got to pay for yeah. the cassette. Yeah, DVD. but all, this is that, all yeah. for charity. So if you would, uh, if you would, if you would love to give this a shot, and you should, uh, please check it out. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and the charities that they're all in the in the show notes on this, uh, but give this a while. In fact, uh, Alan's in the uh, in the uh, chat room right now. Yeah, and uh, good job, dude. I hope it did real well for you. And me and the boat both love this one, yeah. we boat. So that we recorded that last week after our Christmas show. I want to go back real quick just to a couple things that we missed. Uh, boy, here is a, the seminal title for the car computer. Speaking of the Coco. Dungeons of Daggeroth. Mm-hmm. Even your dungeon hating hiney like this one, didn't you? That's both? right. That's right. You this, had respect, much respect. Much respect. This is a game again, much like Metal Gear, that changed the genre and brought everything forward. Yeah, it did. This is a well. If you know anything about the Coco, and you've heard certain games, their names whispered. This is the one. Mm-hmm. This is that probably at the top of the heap. Yeah. When it comes to Coco's, we had a lot of fun uh, trying it out. I'd tried it before, back when I was a kid, but I had a lot more fun this time around. So if you didn't catch the Coco Show, uh, give this one a whirl. And I'll tell you something else. If you're into dungeon crawlers, 
you know, we played, we touched on a lot of those here. This might be one that if you're in Europe or you're an Amiga only type, that this may have passed you by. Don't sleep on this. Give this a shot because this could be fun today. This was a game that was, they really thought outside the box because the people that made it didn't know what they weren't allowed to do. Right. And so they did everything and mm-hmm. they did a great job. So this is one you definitely should give a shot, uh, Boaster. Um, we also want to talk about, uh, well, me and Brent got up to something here. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, listen, this isn't for everyone, but we had a lot of fun with it. This was VCR games, Boat. Uh, we had a, a heck of a time putting this one together because we had to find a game. We ended up playing a game, and we played it together, and the game was called Nightmare. Uh, it's not Nightmare everywhere. In, in some places, like in Europe, it's called Atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And it was a... Different sort of VCR game. Me and you played WrestleMania, the VCR game, a couple months ago, and where there's a lot of stopping and starting. This is a game where you just put the tape in, hit start, and the tape plays for the whole game. Right. And it really is a lot more uh, atmospheric, no pun intended. It, it's uh, the guy that got to be the actor, and this was great. Great. The script was good, and it was a lot of fun at least one time. Mm-hmm. It might not be as fun the next time. They made a bunch of these, though. They're all available on uh, the uh, board game uh, thing on Steam. What's that thing called? Board Bo? Game Geek? No. Oh, Tabletop Steam, Simulator. Tabletop Simulator. Yeah. Uh, if you want to play them, you can play them for free. And we had a lot of fun uh, playing these. We also, I, while since we were on the subject, also threw in a little bit of uh, action on WrestleMania, just talking about me and you haven't played it. Uh, but it's a lot of fun. If you want to just hear me and Brent talk about playing some VCR games or learn the history of VCR games, I didn't realize how long they'd been around, but you're talking like somewhere in 1984. 1984, yeah. So I was surprised that they went back that back that far. This is a genre that probably won't be coming back anytime soon, so kind of neat. And we had a lot of fun trying it out, Boat. Um, lastly, just today, uh, I stuck it up, the Thanks for Giving Marathon Part 2, myself and the Brent. This is from uh, last month where we did our Thanks for Giving. We've chopped it up into hour-long morsels, and this time around, we took a look at the Atari 5200 and the ColecoVision. Guess which one's more fun to play with? (laughs) Which is, you think the Atari 5200 with the pedigree that Atari had of of its uh, offerings, but we had a lot of fun playing a few things. Of course, the Dreadnought Factor, I had to get some of that Mm -hmm. in, a great game. We played a lot of stuff I hadn't played in the Coco or the uh, ColecoVision before, including... Keystone Capers. Yeah, that's Keystone Capers is one. We played MASH. Mm-hmm. That MASH was a lot more fun than I would have thought it would have been. So if you're interested in, in just listening to me and Brent play some games and chat about these systems, uh, this was from Thanks for Giving, and uh, we had a lot of t- a lot of fun on that one. I'm looking forward to next year's Thanks for Giving, actually. We had a good time on that. So that's that's uh, what we've got this month. I think that's all we've got currently in the queue. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and close out the show. There's no uh, Patreon song this week. Oh, no. So uh, we would like to just thank our patrons, as always, for uh, for supporting the show. Patreon.com slash Amigos Podcast. If you would like to support the show, you get access to our Discord. You can help choose the games that we play every week. A whole world of options opens up to you. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, we'd like to thank all of our Twitch subscribers that watch us live as we record. Uh, most Fridays at 5 p.m. During the holidays, our schedule is all jacked up, but we'll be back to normal before you know it. And, of course, we want to thank all the folks that are watching us live right now in the Twitch, checking it out with us through all the technical difficulties and stuff. Uh, We hope you've enjoyed the show, and we will see you in 2022. Until then, adios. adios.